still in this covenant series, part seven. And Father, we just pray over this word right now that you'll come speak through me. Let everything be accomplished through this word that you will to be done. Let it go into good, fertile soil, bear fruit. Let there be revelation. Let there be established truth. And I know we prayed for everybody, and most people are right now under the power, and I understand that. Just where you're at, just, just receive this word tonight, okay? And Father, I preach this out tonight, and I'm asking you to touch an anointed and let it go forth and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And so here's what I want to share. Covenant part seven will deal with offerings. First thing is I want to say it seems to me that we're approaching the midnight hour. It seems like it's 1159. It seems like we're so close to the coming of the Lord. And, and with that said, there's going to be some strange things going on in these latter days. And the Bible talks about there would be great deception in the last days. Um, but I want you to notice that it's interesting that our day, we normally start our day in the morning and then it ends in the evening in darkness. But it's interesting because the Hebrew culture actually starts their day at sunset. So it begins in darkness, but it ends in light. You see what I'm saying? And as we're going into these latter days, the darkness is going to increase. But that means also that the shining of the, the stars is also going to seem like it's increasing as well. That there's going to be an increase of darkness, but there's also going to be an increase of glory. And there's going to be a greater separation between those that are really God's people and those that aren't. The Bible talks about these things that it would be like it was in the days of Noah. And if you really studied the days of Noah, the days of Noah had the occult had to be rampant because fallen angels were pervasive. They were all over the place and they, they were um, having sex with women and producing these Nephilim race. And so we know that the occult had to be rampant. We know that there was great pride during that time. There was great rebellion and there was also violence in the earth. And these are things you're going to see. Just be ready for it. You're going to see the occult. You're going to see great pride. You're going to see great rebellion against God. And you're going to see violence in the earth. As it was in the days of Noah, but also as it was in the days of Lot. What sticks out with the days of Lot was unrestrained sexual perversions. Also, you're going to see this is great rebellion right here. That there would be abortion, which is the shedding of innocent blood, murder, and in the biblical days, they would pass their children through the fire under Moloch, and it was human sacrifice of little children. And, and it's the same spirit today behind abortion, and it's a great rebellion because I dare somebody to try to mess with a little bear, cu bear cub with his mama right around the corner. I dare you to try to do it. See, even, even nature knows to protect their young, and it's such a rebellion against God's order that people, instead of protecting their young, would actually murder them. And it's also a great rebellion against God's order that we see families that are dysfunctional, where husbands are not leading their families in the ways of God. Wives are not being submissive under their husbands, but things are out of order. And it, it's a great rebellion in these latter days. And even with homosexuality, and I, I love homosexual people and pray for them, and, you know, we want them all to, be, to come to know Jesus. We love them. But you see, there's a great rebellion against God's order that even the way God created male and female and then brought them together in marriage to procreate, that there's going to be a great rebellion even against that in nature itself. There's a great pride 
we see with the spirit of Leviathan that will give way to an Antichrist spirit and also an Antichrist arising in great power. Because I believe, and I agree with Derek Prince about this, that humanism will pave the way for the rise of the Antichrist. What's humanism? It's where man believes basically that they're God. And that, that man is the sum of all things. It's humanism. There's humanism that's pervasive in atheism. But humanism is great pride. Also, there's going to be um, a great work of the Holy Spirit, though. I believe that God, just as he said, is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. There's going to be a bride made ready for his coming. There's going to be a great end time harvest of souls like we've never seen before. And what God is wanting to do in River of Life is he's wanting us to become vessels of honor. In these dark days, think about it. Adam and Eve lived in a perfect garden. It was beautiful. And yet in in perfection, they chose to sin. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, another garden, in a fallen world. But yet he chose to not sin. He chose righteousness. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Where Adam and Eve said, not your will, but mine be done. It was a rebellion. And so what you're going to see, God is calling us in river of life, that even though we're living in evil times, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, and it talks about in these latter days, there would be deceiving spirits, there would be doctrines of demons, there would be all this wickedness in the world, people would be lovers of pleasure, lovers of, of themselves, arrogant, boastful, all of these things. And the Bible tells us that, but yet God is calling a remnant bride unto him. That we deeply consecrate our lives. And here's what I feel God is saying in 2 Timothy 2.20. Paul said, now in a large house, there's not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware. Some of them, speaking of the gold, some of them are to honor, and then the wood vessels to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone will cleanse himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. God has many vessels in a big house, so to speak, but he wants us to consecrate ourselves unto him deeply and to be vessels of honor that are useful unto him. This deep consecration that God's doing in us, I'm not talking about getting saved. That's wonderful. We all need to obviously accept the Lord, but I'm talking about beyond your salvation experience that God does a deep, cleansing in all of us and that the old things truly pass away everything becomes new and that we are so sanctified unto him and that's what god is doing and in this deep consecration as you guys tonight as we went before the um the communion table and as my wife and i went through and 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 brother zach helping us out and we prayed for everybody we anointed you with oil we set you apart and many of you have been hit by the power of god and god's spirit is doing a deep sanctifying work in you and we're going to go afterward and we're going to water immerse people that want to this isn't about getting saved or anything this is about lord i want to deeply consecrate my life unto you like never before now i believe god's going to really honor that and bless that And we have seen in times past, and we will see it tonight, where people have experienced freedom. They've been healed of things. They've been set free from things. They've been protected like something left and and separated from their life. And you're going to experience a a, a deep consecration as we immerse you tonight as well. And so this leads me to the concept here of sacrifices. I've got two more points. The, the, The concept in the Bible, when you read in the Old Testament, where they would 
people would have to bring a sacrifice unto the Lord. There was a sacrifice for sin, the sin or guilt offering, that they had to bring. It was mandatory because they sinned. But there was also a burnt offering or a peace offering or a grain offering. And we use that word sacrifice. But to be honest with you, it's in Leviticus like 1 through 6 where it's dealing with these. But to be honest with you, the word sacrifice is not a good word. And let me explain why. When I say sacrifice to you in English, you think of suffering. I have to give something up. It has a very negative connotation to it. That it's going to be difficult. It's going to be something that I have to, to give of myself and all that. But that's actually not at all what this word even means. A better translation in English would be offerings. And the reason why is because the word for sacrifice in Hebrew is korban. And it comes from a, a root word, karov, which means to draw near. This is important. If you don't get anything else tonight, get this. God put the sacrificial system in place, which is now fulfilled in Christ. We have the spiritual sacrifices, which I'll explain quickly. But it's, it was there so that people could draw near to him. The whole mindset was never, well, I've got to sacrifice of myself and I've got to give something I don't want to. I have to do something I don't want to do and all this. It, that wasn't even in their concept. In the Hebrew culture, the mindset was, I'm going to where God's presence is and I'm going to be able to draw near to him. In the Garden of Eden, man, God would come down and walk with man in the cool today and God longed for that relationship. He longs for his presence to be with us. You have to understand something about the Lord. A lot of people don't have a, a correct concept of God. God really does want what's best for us. He really does want you healed. He really does want you blessed financially. He really does want you happy and successful in life. He wants you blessed. He really does. He wants that for you even more than you do. But when we get that realization of how good he is and how much he wants that for us, that's a lot of times will help our faith believe him for those things. I think a lot of people think that God doesn't want to do it, but if you keep bugging him, he'll do it one day. And that's a wrong concept of God. God wants us to draw near to him. He wants to meet with us. And he's made a way. And so the sin offering we know was fulfilled in Christ. And we understand we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us. We understand that concept. So there's a blood washing. That offering was taken care of on Calvary. But there were three, uh, three others that were very powerful and significant. One of them was a burnt offering. And the, the animal was skinned. And then every bit of that animal was cut up and put on the altar. And that fire completely consumed it. And now in the New Testament time, as we have the fullness in Christ, we now offer up ourselves as living sacrifices unto God. Holy unto Him. That means set apart. And that God will consume us with His holy fire and burn everything out of us that needs to go. That we can truly be a living sacrifice. That's why Peter said we're a kingdom of priests and that we're here to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable unto God. Our spiritual sacrifices, one of them is the burnt offering. And I believe that's what River of Life is doing tonight. 
Right now, as God is touching you, you've prayed and you've fasted and you've asked God to do a deep work. And now the Spirit of God is consuming you like a fire and God is burning out things that need to go. And as you do that tonight, right now, you're an example of a burnt offering today, a living sacrifice. And what is it? It causes us to be able to draw near to Him. He wants to draw near to you. The Bible says if we will draw near to God, He will draw near to us. And so one of the ways we do that is being a burnt offering. The second way was a peace offering. They would bring an animal to the Lord, and the, the priest would, it would be killed. The priest would put it on the, the altar. Some of it was God's, like the fat and the entrails and all that was God's. It burned there. But the rest of that animal was cooked. And the priest and then the person that brought it would eat that in the presence of the Lord. That fellowship offering, that peace offering, was a picture and type of what we have at the communion table, but it was also a picture and type of prayer. That God has made a way through the blood of Jesus that we can come in fellowship with Him. We can eat and drink with Him. We can fellowship. The Lord said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll hear it and you'll open unto me, I'll come in with you. And what? I will sup with you. The Lord wants us, just like the road to Emmaus, they walked with him, their hearts burned within them, and then they sat at a table. The Lord broke bread, and he left, you know, but there was that realization that was there that God is wanting to sit, and he's wanting to fellowship with us. God wants us to draw near. So these korbanot in Hebrew, this korban, this root word to draw near unto God, he has made a way through Christ that we can have fellowship with him. And the last one was a grain offering, that what we do is pure. The grain was brought to the priest. The grain had to be without leaven, without sin, okay? No leaven. In fact, it specifically says you couldn't use honey. Honey is a picture and type of fermentation. And many of us, all of us really, as Christians, God has got to deal with everything in us, including our motives, that grain offering had to be soaked in oil and it had to have frankincense sprinkled on top of it and salt and it was burned before the Lord. And that grain offering speaks of our service to the Lord, that what we do for Him, that we will be without leaven, that God will get all the sin out of all of us because every one of us, I know when I was younger in the Lord, God had to do a deep work in me. He had to clean me up. He had to heal the broken places. He had to set me free from things. And he had to teach me things I didn't understand. And he had to help me to get stable so I could walk in victory. For, for the first, you know, however many years of my Christian walk, really, I, I still struggle with things from the past. But God brought me to a place of victory. And you know what God will do? He will purify you. He'll get all that leaven out of you. He'll deal with that honey, that fermentation. You know what that is? Evil motives. People have motives in their hearts many times to glorify themselves or to do things for selfish ambition. And these things are evil motives. And God is wanting to deal with our motives so that everything that we do will be to bring Him glory and none to ourselves. And that He can soak us with a fresh oil and we can be used for His kingdom to bring in a harvest. That's what the grain offering is. That we are being used of God to bring in a harvest and advance his kingdom. And I don't know about you, but I want God to purify everything out of me that needs to go. I want him to anoint me with fresh oil and use me in these latter days. And you know what? The priest had to be held to a very high standard. And all of us are priests unto God. 
The Bible says about the sin offering, it gave different rules for somebody that was a common person or somebody that was a ruler. And it gave a, a very strict rule about the priest. If a priest sinned against God, he had to shed the blood of an animal as a sin offering, what was called chatat. He had to take that sin offering and he had to take the blood and he had to go and, and stand in front of the holy place where that veil was. And it was called the parachet, which was interesting because the word chet means sin. And he had to sprinkle that there before the Holy of Holies because the blood had to be reapplied so he could have access there again. Then he backed up and he had to put the blood on the horns of the golden altar because he had to be able to come in every day and burn incense in that holy place and to pray and to worship and he had to have access. Then he went outside in the outer court and dumped the rest of it at the bronze altar because he had to function in the outer court. So what happened when, the, when a priest would sin, his way to God began to be hindered. That parchet, that sin, that chet began to put up some kind of veil and he had to reapply the blood so that he could function again as a priest. And God holds us all as priests in a high standard that the blood be reapplied to our lives so that we can go into God's presence and be used for him. And so here's the last thing I want to say. God's preparing a bride as I've mentioned throughout tonight. The Bible says in a parable in Matthew 22, starting with verse 11, Jesus said, But when the king came in and looked over the dinner guests, now this, this king had thrown a big feast. I believe this is speaking of like the marriage supper of the Lamb. Big feast. And he saw that there was a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him up. And if and throw him out in outer darkness in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. And I'll tell you something that most people, I believe this, and most Bible scholars believe the outer darkness many times in Jesus' parables is talking about being here during the tribulation time. That people are going to be caught away and they're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, but there's going to be people who are left behind. It's going to be outer darkness. But this man was not ready when the Lord came. In Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave her, himself up for her so that he might sanctify her. Look at this. Having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would be holy and blameless. The Lord is coming for a bride that is holy and a bride that is deeply consecrated unto him without spot or blemish. So being holy means set apart. But not only set apart, but that God will cleanse away all the spots, all the wrinkles, all the blemishes out of our lives and out of our garments so that we can have these priestly garments, the wedding garments, that, that we have these garments on and they're undefiled and they're ready because Jesus is not coming for a bride in adultery. He's not coming for a bride that is lukewarm. He's not coming for a bride that's living in sin and is stained and spotted and all of that. He's coming for a bride that is glorious and has been washed and ready for his coming. Revelation 19, 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. The wedding garments are not only speaking of a wedding like a bride, but you have to understand they are the priestly garments. That we are 
uh, there's a white layer of righteousness. There's a blue layer of power. There's a gold layer of the glory. And God is wanting us as priests unto him to be wrapped up in righteousness, a robe of righteousness. He wants us to be clothed with power, the blue, the clothing of power from on high. And he wants to fill us and wrap us in his glory and get us ready as a bride without any spot or blemish. He's wanting us to be wise virgins with extra oil. And to be like Enoch. Enoch was the first one in Scripture. There's a law of first reference. When something is mentioned first in Scripture, it's preeminent. And the very first rapture that we see in Scripture was Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and then he was caught away. Elijah was caught away later. And we read about how the bride will be caught away. But listen. Enoch was the first one. And Enoch, what, was, what marked Enoch's life? Yes, he was a righteous man, there's no doubt. But Enoch was a man of prayer. He cultivated a relationship with God. He literally, the, the Amplified Bible says it the best, he habitually walked with God. It became a habit. It became just a part of his life that he walked with God. And then God took him. He was living in those days that Noah was living in. He was living, he was seeing around him all the evil that was filling the earth. Fallen angels had coming down. They were procreating. There was the Nephilim race. There was all this wickedness and violence and occult practices and sexual immorality. And all this was beginning to fill the earth. Enoch was there. He saw these things. But as he walked with God, he was caught away. God is calling us to be a bride that is ready and looking for his coming. In this time of prayer and fasting you guys have been doing, I mean, I'm sure that you can feel it. I can feel it in my life. But you can feel that there's a deep consecration God's doing in all of us. It's a sanctifying work of His Holy Spirit. It is a washing of the water of the Word of God. God is purifying us. He's getting us ready for something. So, as we deeply consecrate our lives, remember this. There's something about seasons of prayer, fasting, repentance, and soul searching. There's something really powerful about the communion table, that peace offering, that we can draw near to God. Remember, sacrifice in the Bible was not what people think it is. In English, it is not, well, I've got to give something up. That's a totally wrong concept. It is, I have now the opportunity that I can draw near to Him. That's what it actually means. I can draw near to Him. And so the communion table that God uses that as a vehicle, I believe, to help deeply consecrate us and help bring us under the blood so that we can draw near to Him. The anointing with oil, as we did tonight. Moses anointed the tabernacle in Exodus 40, and it was set apart, and after he anointed that tabernacle, the glory of God filled and saturated. You are now the tabernacle or the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God is anointing you, and He's saturating you with His glory. He is setting you apart unto Him. And, of course, water immersion. When we immerse people tonight, I believe all that want to come and just consecrate your life unto God, I believe God is going to deeply consecrate you like you've never been in your life. And God's going to separate things from you that need to go. He's going to heal you up. He's going to deliver you from things. He's going to protect you. And I believe this is really going to do a deep work. I have story after story I could tell where people have been healed in water baptism. People have been delivered of things. And it's been powerful. And I believe, again, tonight, this is going to be a very powerful time. I believe this will probably be the most anointed, powerful time in water immersion that we've ever had in River of Life tonight. I just feel something significant about tonight. In 1 Corinthians 10.1, if 
For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they ate the same spiritual food. I want you to see the same pattern. They ate the spiritual food. That's the communion table. They passed through the cloud. That's the anointing. That's the glory. That's the Spirit of God. And through the sea, water immersion. Same pattern all through the Scriptures. And God deeply consecrated them. Y'all catch this. I close with this right here. God used the, the Passover table. He used that to deeply consecrate them. There was none sick or feeble among them. The blood was applied over their life. God healed them up. But he used the power of that Passover lamb. And then he took them. They were baptized through the cloud. That's the Spirit of God. Then they were baptized through the Red Sea. That's the water of immersion. They came through the other side. God now deeply consecrated them. Why? Because they were heading to Mount Sinai. And that Sinai was the place where they were going to have an encounter with the living God. They were going to see his glory fire, and they were, his presence and power come down among them. And the leaders went up, and they saw God, the Bible says, and ate and drank in his presence. You know what God's doing in River of Life? He's deeply consecrating us, because I believe we're about to have a whole other Pentecost, a whole other Mount Sinai. God's about to invade us with his presence like we've never had before. Great revelation and great power. And his glory increase. So Lord I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you so much. Seal this tonight in every life. Lord I thank you for it. We bless you. Let this go forth everywhere it's supposed to go. And accomplish everything it's supposed to do. We thank you for it now. In the mighty name of Jesus.